you to be the kind of people that non-believers question their lack of belief in God because of the witness of your life. That they see you moving through the world in the spirit, on fire with love and joy and peace and patience, all the fruit of the spirit, serving people. And they say to themselves, gosh, I want what they have. Have you heard the phrase, love is a verb? It's action. It's so much more than just a word you say or a feeling you feel. Love is serving, even when you don't want to. It's going and doing and being where God calls you. And Pastor Daniel is urging you today to be this kind of follower of Christ. Don't just say the right things. Do the right things. Be active in the world as Jesus would be, stepping in to show love to people all around you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Fifth and Sixth Seals. In the last calendar year, about 6,000 Christians were killed for their faith. About 5,000 church buildings have been burned down in the last year alone. And as the body of Christ, we always have to remember that when one of us suffers, we all suffer. And I think about the, if you've ever traveled, and, and I want to encourage you, like we had a team just come back from Lebanon, but like as we take trips around the world, I want to encourage you to go, it will change your perspective on everything. You know, I know what it's like to go to church where there's no sign on the building and there's armed guards outside. Because you can't put like a, hey, come and worship with us here at Crossroads, nine o'clock. You can't put that on the building. Like right now as a church family, we're partnering with two more families who are bringing the gospel into the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which is we have a commitment as a church that we want to see 100 missionary families in KSA. It's one of the least restricted places for the gospel. Like there's no such thing as going to a church building. You go to someone's house and when you get inside, you worship. It's like because the restrictions are so great on the gospel. And I always like to remind people that the gospel can't be changed and it can't be restricted. And God is doing a work in the countries that there's the most aggressive persecution. But we have to realize that our faith holds even under the most extraordinary of circumstances. I've been reading missionary biographies since I started walking with Jesus. And when you read about people who brought the gospel around the world in in a previous generation... Like you think about missionaries who, when they wanted to go cross-culturally, they'd get on a boat and they'd be on that boat for four months. And most of the people on the boat for four months would die from dysentery, all these different things. If you actually made it there, you know, it's like you don't have anybody there to connect with. You're a stranger in a strange land. And you read these stories and you, and you realize, you read about William Carey bringing the gospel to India. India's got more Christians in it than we have people in America. It's unbelievable. There's more Christians in India than there are Americans in the world. Literally, he goes over there and the struggles that they have to bring the gospel. And I'm reminded of what 
The American missionary who was martyred for his faith, Jim Elliott, says that a person is no fool to give up what they can never keep to gain that which they can never lose. It's sobering when you start talking about martyrdom, right? You start talking about giving up our lives for Christ. But don't miss, the moment you started following Jesus, you decided because of Jesus to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And I think we need to get back, brothers and sisters, to that old school discipleship. We need to deny ourselves, our self-styled life, our little false identities. We need to take up our cross and we need to follow after Jesus. And we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The writer to the Hebrews says this at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, that great, what we call the hall of faith, Hebrews eleven thirty-seven to 40 says, they were stoned, and I always have to say, not with weed. That's not in the scriptures. But I realize we live in 21st century America in the Portland metro area. So they, stone means that they threw rocks at them to kill them. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They're talking about these people who had this testimony, but they suffered horrendously for their faith. And I always think about that line in the middle there. It's just, it's like it pops out of nowhere of whom the world was not worthy. I love that. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to live a life of faith that the world is not worthy of. I want to encourage you to be the kind of people that non-believers question their lack of belief in God because of the witness of your life. That they see you moving through the world in the spirit, on fire with love and joy and peace and patience, all the fruit of the spirit, serving people. And they say to themselves, gosh, I want what they have. So that our lives are this witness to the gospel. Now, as we continue forward, I could talk about this all day, but look at what happens in verse 12. It says, and I looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. So it's interesting that, you know, we have the first four seals and things are getting bad. And then you have the fifth seal, which is something that's going on in heaven, where there's the cry of the martyrs. And then when you get to the sixth seal, really what we see here is just tremendous cataclysmic disturbances. That's what you have here. Now, I've heard so many pastors take these things and they come up with all these you know, huge ideas about what all this, what you realize is that when Jesus opens the sixth seal, there is going to be an earthquake that is going to be maybe the biggest earthquake that has ever been experienced in the earth, right? And when that happens, we have the sun is going to become black and the moon is going to turn red. And it literally says like black, like sackcloth of hair. Right, so it's like when people wore sackcloth, they would be a, you know like a jet black color, 
And of course, the moon becomes red like blood. Now, all of this is a fulfillment of what it says in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and visions. And then it goes on to say, and also on my maid servants, on my men servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So he's going to pour out his spirit. And then it says, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Now, what's interesting about Joel chapter 2 is you realize that it actually encapsulates all of the age of what we call the church. Because remember in Acts chapter 2, right? God poured out his spirit and Peter, when he stood up to preach, said, hey, this is what Joel was talking about. You know, the Spirit's been poured out on the men and women of God, right? And they're going to prophesy, and they're going to dream dreams, and God's going to empower these people. And then in Joel, it automatically jumps now to the end before the return of Jesus, where he says, and I'm going to show signs in the earth, and the sun's going to go black, and the moon's going to be turned to blood, and there's going to be all this stuff going on. So you realize that we are living in this, what we call an age of grace, or the church age right now, and really... To bring this thing to a culmination, there's going to be all of these tremendous cataclysmic events. Now, scholars love to argue about this, and I I don't really know the answer, so I don't really get into the arguments. I just read them, and I'm like, okay. It's like, does the sun really burn out? Like, what happens here? Or is it because of the earthquake and all the smoke? And you guys realize we've had that when when all of a sudden, if there's uh, some sort of huge cataclysmic disaster, the amount of sediment that ends up in the atmosphere, and you see the sun, but it doesn't look like the sun, but you know it's the sun. We have had, you know, red moons or blood moons, and people get all freaked out about that, depending on what kind of conspiracy theories you listen to and how you feel about those things, you know. But really what you have is that you know with the sixth seal, there's going to be tremendous earthquake all of these different things. And, and it literally gets to the point where stars are going to fall to the sky. And he uses this picture as figs drop their late fruit in a windstorm. So for people in John's days, fig trees were normal. And so, you know, you guys know we get some pretty good winds around here. And if you have a fruit tree where everything is right, everything falls to the ground. Just The wind just knocks it right off. And that, he's like, listen, there's literally going to be stars falling from the sky. So whether it's meteorites or whatever it is, but we realize this is just tremendous cataclysmic happenings, right? Now, this, as it relates to the earthquake, this is the first of three earthquakes in the book of Revelation. So you're actually going to have, you have this one, you have one in, in chapter 11, and another one in chapter 16. So there's, in Revelation, there's three great earthquakes that happen. And really what we, the best thing we can take from this, you know, is Jesus spoke about this as well. Matthew 24, verse 7, the last part, it says, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now, I want to say a couple things about this, and then we're going to move on, because if not, I start getting into too much conjecture, and I don't feel good about that for you as a teacher anyway. The Bible says, I want you to make a little note, Romans chapter 8. In the middle of Romans chapter 8, it tells us that creation, that God created and said was good, was subjected to futility, So when we see cataclysmic happenings throughout the globe, we should always remember that each one of these cataclysmic happenings are a birth pang of the coming of the kingdom. Like I always get heartbroken when, you know, we have these horrendous happenings in different places and there's always some Christian who goes on TV and says, well, that's because they're Satan worshipers or something. And and they say some crazy stuff where it's like, 
Every time we see a cataclysmic happening where people get hurt, Romans 8 tells us it's a birth pang and that God is wanting to birth his kingdom. And we should never feel like, well, they deserved that. Listen, we all deserve everything bad. And the only reason good things happen is because our God is gracious and kind and long-suffering. I should have been way dead before I got saved. I lived in a way that I, being way dead would have been appropriate. But it's only by God's sheer grace that he saved me. So we never want to respond to the earth groaning and laboring with birth pangs. You realize the birth pangs, I've never had them. Although my girl, my one flesh, my bride, she's had them multiple times. I was there. I was trying to be there in spirit and help her do her breathing exercises, which are just good ways to try and distract her from how painful it all is, from what I've been told. You know, it's like when that happens, the birth pangs are painful, but they're purposeful. Right? It's like your, your, your body's working it out. A female's body's working it out to be able to have a child. And when cataclysmic happenings happen, we should always be like, this is a birth pang because God wants to birth his kingdom. The earth is longing for the children of God to be there. And we realize that come the sixth seal, tremendous, like horrific cataclysmic happenings. Like real what you see in these kind of sci-fi movies or these you know, apocalyptic movies that we watch that come out all the time. Now, remember I said at the beginning of the message, life is about how we respond. So we've seen six seals. We've seen tremendous earthquakes, stars falling, the sun is darkened, the moon is blood. We've seen a quarter of the earth's population die. There's conflict, there's scarcity. So all these things happening. You will ask yourself, well, how are people going to respond? Well, look at what it says. It says in verse 15, and the kings of the earth... And great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? So to give you an important principle is that God, by his spirit, wants to teach us how to respond the right way. They see all that's happening and they're hiding. Everyone's hiding out, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're slave or free, whether they're strong warriors or not, they're all hiding out. And they're literally calling, they're crying out to the rocks and the mountains and they're saying, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Now, don't miss the unique phrase, the wrath of the lamb. Like, that's a strange one, isn't it? Do you ever see a a lamb and be like, man, I hope that lamb isn't like Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you see a lamb, like, oh, look at this cute little, ah," you know, like, like, it's just a lamb. But again, it shows the uniqueness of Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But now we see Jesus now that we see God's wrath against the world that is doing exactly what they're doing right now, which all the evidence, all that, they know that all of this is coming from God. But rather than turning to God and seeking forgiveness, they're like, 
man, I'd rather just die. I want this mountain to fall on me because I do not want to come face to face with God. They're hiding from God. And brothers and sisters, when you read, they hid from the face of God. Really, all you think about is the Garden of Eden. All of us do this. The day that Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, at that moment, they automatically started hiding from themselves, hiding from their loved ones, and hiding from God. And humanity, culture has changed humanity. You and I were exactly the same way today. You know what's going on in your life when you start hiding. You hide from yourself. You hide from loved ones. You hide from God. We do that. Listen, you always know when someone's doing something they shouldn't do because they lie about it. I remember I had this with our kids. Kids had these little devices. I'm like, listen, when we walk in the room, if you minimize the screen, we know you're doing something you're not supposed to. I remember one time Obadiah was like, Dad, how do you know that? I'm like, because if it wasn't something you weren't supposed to be doing, you wouldn't hide the screen, bro. And I'm like, and don't forget, we know where your history is. And he wasn't doing anything. He's like, oh, dad, no, 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 no. It's like, you know, he show, and he shows it to me. And he's like, it's cool. But listen, when you're hiding, when you're deceiving, this is what we always do. That's how you know that we're not living into the freedom by which Christ has set us free. Now, listen, here's what I want to tell you. Because I think at this point, what's so important for us is that we learn how to respond the right way. Obviously, we see the example that they're not responding. What is the proper response? I'm going to give you one word. Everyone ready? The proper response is repentance. Everyone say repentance. Repentance is the first word of the gospel. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance. Repentance is a beautiful word. It literally means to change your mind. Right? So you change your mind. And when you change your mind, the change of mind leads to a change of heart, which leads to a change of direction, which leads to a change of outcome. And brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you today to live lives of repentance. What that means is if right now, if you find yourself hiding something, maybe it's what you're watching on the internet, or maybe you're not being super honest about what you're doing with your money, or maybe you haven't been quite honest with someone that you love, I want you to trust Jesus and I want you to repent. I want you to go to them and say, listen, I'm sorry. I haven't been quite honest with you. Because I'm here to tell you, we think that if people don't know, it's not hurting them. But I'm here to tell you the deception is already hurting them because you're already putting separation. And as a follower of Jesus, I'm here to tell you, if someone, and listen, if someone, you're here, you're online, you're watching at a distance and you're hearing this, if someone comes and repents to you, don't say, how dare you do that? Because they are being vulnerable and you do the same thing, although you do it a little different. You have your own areas where you're not being quite honest. And as people of God, as people who have been forgiven by Jesus, we already know that none of us are perfect. And even after we get saved, even though we've been perfected by the finished work of Jesus, we are still imperfect people seeking to grow into the experience of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So all of us have stuff that we hide. There's no person in the world who doesn't have things that they're like, man, I'm not being quite all the way honest about that. But the beauty of repentance is repentance is us leaning into the finished work of Jesus, trusting that even though my decisions, my words, my actions are not in line with what they should be by bringing it out into the open, I'm saying, God, I want you to do a fresh work there. And the beauty is, is in Christ, 
The Bible says when we confess our sins, God is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My biggest prayer for this house, and I see God doing it, is that we want to be the kind of place where you can come and say, this is where I'm at. And people will love you right where you are because that's what Jesus does. That nobody feels they have to like put on a show when they come to church. Listen, you can put on your Sunday best and we love it when you do. But we know that that suit doesn't make you holy. I remember one year we had a midweek service on Halloween. And so I wore a tie and I dressed up like a pastor for Halloween. It was so fun. People were like, you're wearing a tie. I'm like, I'm being a pastor. People started laughing. So funny. No, I'm not knocking the way that we dress, but so much of life is lived with us kind of shining everybody on. Now, listen, I'm here to tell you, none of us are perfect except for Jesus. And listen, the right way to respond is repentance. You know, there's a meme that's floating on the internet that makes me laugh only because it's so true, where it's like, you call this spiritual warfare, it's just because you're making dumb decisions. Or as my son Obadiah told me recently, cracked me up. He's like, Dad, we were talking about something. He's like, Dad, if you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that's really deep, man. He's like, I saw it like on the internet. Like, it was like a video of like some guy who was like, you know, doing donuts and he crashed his car into a light post. And, he, and it says, if you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. And I'm like, that's important. Like, that's real. And listen, for some of us right now, just to be honest and not to be overly kind of coarse, like you're playing stupid games right now. And you can't say it's warfare that's happening. You're getting the stupid prizes of playing the dumb games you've been playing. So stop playing the dumb games. Play better games. And brother says, I'm not preaching down on anybody. Because I say this, I'm like, what stupid games am I playing right now? Like, you know, like I don't want dumb prizes either. And so, but the response that God wants from all of us is this heart that turns to him and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. God, not what I would have, but what you would have. And when God is moving, repentance is us learning how to link up hands with God to do what God wants to do in our lives. So, brothers and sisters, let's make sure we respond the right way. Amen? Let's bow our heads and our hearts as we pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for your grace, for your love, for your mercy. God, we are grateful for who you are. And Lord, as we see these seals being opened, and whether we see the cry of the martyrs, and, or whether we see tremendous cataclysmic disturbances, we find ourselves landing on what does it mean to be a witness? What does it mean to have the testimony of the people of God? What does it mean for us to respond the right way? And God, I ask for each one of us that you would help us to embrace a lifestyle of repentance. Jesus is real. So what do you do when hard times come? When the road bumps, do you turn to God? Now, think about the events that will take place when that sixth seal is broken. People are going into hiding, fearful for their lives. How would you respond? These are all important questions to ask yourself. And Pastor Daniel's hope and encouragement today was that you'd turn to Jesus. Come to him in all situations, the good and the hard. 
He can handle it all, and He's faithful to sustain you in everything. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel talks about being sealed for Jesus. What does that mean? It means knowing that you are a Christian, a born-again believer in Jesus right now. Can you say that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? If so, great. If not, there's never been a better time than right now to make that decision. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.